1: Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin.
0: Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Thank you for being here. Our number, one 877 381 877 381 now think about this why are all these Trump officials getting subpoenas former officials current officials what is the point of this other than to harass them to burden them to financially ruin them to embarrass them to burden the President of the United States to intimidate people so they don't work for the president of the United States. I mean this this really is horrific what's going on here folks. I know the media just report it like it's no big deal. You've got to you've got to understand the media are the mouthpiece for this uh, tyranny. There's no reason to drag all these people in front of Congress. They haven't done anything. Nobody's done anything. And so these power-hungry demagogues in the House of Representatives they just want to hold these ...Spanish Inquisition type hearings... ...these Soviet Star Chamber type hearings... ...make people give up their accounting information... ...if they're consulting lawyers even in some cases... ...to give up attorney-client information... ...to ruin their lives... ...to interfere with their businesses and their careers... ...you got massive harassment going on here... ...against the President of the United States... ...and against his staff, against his businesses... Former staffers, former employees, family members. Pelosi and the others, we have a right to know if the president has committed offenses. The president hasn't committed anything. But let me show you how lousy and unbelievable it's gotten. There's a great piece in Breitbart by my buddy Joel Pollack. House Democrats want oversight over Fox News editorial decisions. First, I said, I don't believe this. It's true. Democrats in the U.S. House of Representatives are demanding to know why Fox News did not publish a story prior to the 2016 election about an alleged affair years before between porn star Stormy Daniels and Donald Trump. Committee Chairman Elijah Cummings wrote to former Fox News reporter Diana Falzone last month demanding that she turn over any documents ...relating to Trump's alleged extramarital affairs. An article in The New Yorker last month alleged that Fox News executive Ken LaCourte spiked the story to protect Trump. A claim LaCourte has vehemently denied, saying the story lacked corroborating evidence... ...and that the network was merely practicing responsible journalism, as were other outlets who declined the story. But that article seems to have motivated Cummings' letter, a letter that not only seeks personal dirt on the president, but seeks information that might be used to review Fox News' editorial decisions. The committee's letter suggests that Fox News may have violated campaign finance rules if it tried to help Trump by suppressing the Daniels story. Isn't that fascinating? What about the billions and billions of dollars in ...in pro-Hillary press. Did that violate campaign laws? But look how this works. Falzone has said... ...she will cooperate with the committee... ...despite an agreement with Fox... ...that prevents her from speaking about the story. In an op-ed at Mediaite... ...which is a mouthpiece for the Democrats... ...pretty much. At Mediaite... ...the court says he supports Falzone's... ...desire to talk about the story publicly... But that he will refuse to cooperate with the committee's effort to exercise oversight of the free press. LaCourte writes Falzon's lawyer announced that she would comply with the committee. I won't. If House oversight can launch an investigation based on the ridiculous notion that publishing, or even more bizarrely, not publishing a story, can be construed as an in kind campaign contribution. Then no journalist in America is safe from government intimidation. It's a vast overreach of power, and I won't have any part of it. To be clear, he said, I fully support Fox News lifting Falzone's nondisclosure agreement so that she can make her case publicly without leaks or lawyers. But neither editorial decisions, nor joke writing for that matter, should be a subject of government approval. Does this concern you, ladies and gentlemen? We're all the media outlets that circled the wagons around Jim Acosta and CNN when Acosta was booted from press conferences, not because of a violation of freedom of the press, but because he was rude, he was disruptive, he was undermining the, the uh, press conference, making it impossible to get information. Now we have a committee of Congress led by a Democrat, Elijah Cummings, that's trying to dig into editorial decisions at Fox News. Do you see the other media outlets circling the wagons? Do you see anybody else speaking out for freedom of the press and the First Amendment? I thought the president was a dictator because he dares to call out the media. Here we have actual official attempts, official action by a Democrat committee chair and a Democrat-controlled committee of the House of Representatives, asking questions about how decisions were made on what to put on the news or not to put on the news, and then suggesting that because they didn't run with the story right away, that it was an unlawful federal violation of the campaign rules, Should this not be the big topic of the day? Not this phony subpoena from that slob Nadler? Well, there's more. There's more. Because you see, ladies and gentlemen, the media do not believe in freedom of the press. The media do not believe in freedom of the press. The media believe in freedom of certain people to report news. The media, the Democrat Party, are out to destroy Fox News. And look, I'm not a special pleader for, for the cable company, they can defend themselves. I'm analyzing this story after story about Fox News in The New Yorker, in The Hollywood Reporter. In the New York Times, CNN, others, constant, constant stories about Fox, constant hits on their primetime lineup. It's endless. Constant attacks on their executives, on their audience, their audience, which is bigger than CNN and MSNBC combined overall. And the New York Times has a very, very long story. six-month investigation. Several reporters who traveled the globe to gather information on Rupert Murdoch and his sons. To gather information on their companies. To gather information on Fox News. Fox News hosts. Have you ever seen anything like this before? Why? Because Fox doesn't buckle. I'm not talking about the news operation in Fox. You look at Chris Wallace or Shep Smith, you're, they're your typical center-left or left news media today. They're, uh, you know, In the case of Wallace, he's better than most, but they are what they are. What they're attacking is not their news operation. What they're attacking is their bread and butter. Their morning prime time. Their evening prime time. Their nighttime prime time who bring them the numbers, who bring them the advertisers, so that Fox can exist. That's what they find intolerable. And yet, what Fox does better than all the others combined is it segregates the opinion hosts from the news hosts. You know one from the other. You do not when you watch CNN. You do not when you watch MSNBC. This long story in the New York Times... They invest all these resources, all this money. And then, of course, Mediaite, one of the parasitic entities of the lib media, founded by Dan Abrams, the phony legal analyst for ABC. And their headline at Mediaite, eight shocking revelations from the New York Times investigation into Rupert Murdoch's media empire and Fox News. I read this. Number one, there's nothing shocking about it. Number two, they put the most negative patina on some of the most innocent aspects of what goes on that you can imagine. Tell me, why doesn't the New York Times do something like this on CNN? On MSNBC? Why doesn't the New York Times do something like this on NBC or ABC or CBS? Or the Washington Post. I got a little secret for you, ladies and gentlemen. I don't have the resources of the New York Times. I don't have so-called staff, reporters, investigators working for me. I have little old me. And I can't travel the world to track down New York Times investments. I can't track down... Every single thing that the Sulzberger-Ox family has done. But I've done a hell of a job in exposing the New York Times on the public record. A hell of a job. An entire chapter, which they are going to hate and you are going to love. The New York Times betrays millions. They write these Mickey Mouse stories Travel the globe To go after Fox and Murdoch Why didn't they travel the globe During World War II To find out what was going Going on in Germany In countries that Germany conquered Why didn't they listen to any of the foreign correspondents from some of these countries that were telling them about the annihilation of the Jews? Why did they take orders from the Roosevelt administration to tamp down reporting on the death camps? Rupert Murdoch never did that. Of course, he wasn't in the news business then, but that's not my point. Rupert Murdoch would never do that. British journalist Claude Coburn once wrote, and this is from my new book, all stories are written backwards. They are supposed to begin with the facts and develop from there. But in reality, they begin with a journalist's point of view, a conception. And it is the point of view from which the facts are subsequently organized. And so it was when it came to reporting about the Holocaust, where, among other things, Journalistic groupthink and other professional malpractices, suppression and outright self-censorship, came together to create a monumental betrayal of millions of European Jews and the American public in what was the greatest example of American media recklessness and deceit ever perpetrated by the massive media in our country, led by the New York Times. Well, Mark, you say, the New York Times was owned by a Jewish family. Yes, it was. It was owned by a Jewish family. Well, why would they do this? Why do liberals do what they do, ladies and gentlemen? Why is Andrew Cuomo the leading voice for infanticide when he's a practicing Catholic, supposedly? Because these people are about progressivism. They're about promoting themselves, protecting their own interests. And it's same in the newspaper business. You see, the Sulzberger family, particularly the Sulzberger, who was in line and was in charge of the New York Times during World War II, He didn't want his newspaper, the New York Times, to be viewed as a parochial Jewish newspaper. He was concerned, all you Gentiles out there, you might take offense if the New York Times reported a little too much about the death camps, about the concentration camps. And so we reported as little about them as possible. And most of the stories they reported, which were very few and far between, they pushed into the back pages of the New York Times. The vast majority of the American people, your parents and grandparents, had no idea what was going on in Germany. Because they weren't told. They weren't told by the Roosevelt administration, the Great Progressive, the New Deal. And they weren't told by the New York Times. And they weren't told by the vast majority of the media. The same New York Times that travels the globe to track down the Murdoch investments and the Fox programs and different hosts on Fox. They're so concerned about it. They poured resources into it. Ran ran a long, long article on it. They wrote more today about the Fox News Channel than they overwrote about the Holocaust and the Third Reich. Now think about that. Think about that. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Have you ever wished you knew more about how politics and our Constitution work? Could you explain the key differences between capitalism and socialism? Wish you knew more about American history? Well, I have good news for you. It's not too late to learn no matter how busy you are or how long it's been since you've been in college or high school. And you can do it for free. Because my friends at Hillsdale College, as a service to our country, have free online courses that provide a taste of the core curriculum that every Hillsdale College student takes. The core that teaches us how to think critically and act virtuously. And it can help you too. Getting started is very simple. Just sign up for one or more of Hillsdale's most popular online courses for free, and you can learn whenever you like. Visit online.hillsdale.edu right now. That's online.hillsdale.edu. Join right now, and you'll be on your way to a rich, meaningful education. Again, that's online.hillsdale.edu. It wasn't until about 1942 or 43 that most of the American people began to get word of what was going on in terms of the extermination of Jews, these death camps, and the horror that was taking place. And that's thanks to the media in this country. There have been several books written on this, really three, three stellar books that are absolutely ignored. And the first one on this subject was by David Wyman, The Abandonment of the Jews. On November 24, 1942, unambiguous evidence of the Nazis' ongoing extermination of European Jews was publicly available, but was largely ignored by the media. Lack of solid press coverage in the weeks immediately following November 24, 1942, muffled the historic news at the outset. And what's incredible about this is approximately 20 years earlier, the New York Times did exactly the same thing when it came to Stalin murdering 10 million Ukrainians. They sat on their hands. Worse than that, they were propagandists. Now we're going to talk about the New York Times, aren't we? We're going to have a real chat about it. the regulation of big tech, mental illness, and the American medical insurance system. And because America's founding principles are so important, Hillsdale offers Imprimis absolutely free of charge to anyone who requests it. That's right, you can subscribe to Imprimus for free. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to visit Imprimis.Hillsdale.edu for your free subscription. That's edu. Welcome to Hillsdale.
1: It's your daily adult dosage of the Constitution. The Mark Levin Show. Call in now at 877-381-3811. Surely the New
0: York Times, with its wide reach, resources, access to foreign sources of information, reputation as the foremost newspaper in America, its large Jewish readership, its Jewish ownership, would do everything possible to investigate and disclose the horror of Jewish genocide. But the opposite was true. They pushed stories to the back pages. What of the Washington Post? It was Jewish owned at the time, too. It printed a few editorials advocating rescue, but only infrequently carried news reports on the European Jewish situation. What about the other Washington newspapers? Very limited information. Most of the other press, outside of New York and Washington, press coverage was even thinner. American mass circulation magazines, well, they all but ignored the Holocaust. Radio coverage, sparse. Sparse. Media self-censorship was intentional. In fact, there was a New York Times reporter by the name of Bill Lawrence. Most prominent among them. And uh, that the reports that Hitler and his followers had conducted a systematic extermination campaign were untrue. Lawrence didn't doubt that Hitler had treated the Jews badly, forcing many of them to flee to the sanctuaries of the West. But even in October 1943... Ten months after the Allied Declaration, confirming the Nazi policy of exterminating the Jews, he could not believe that the Nazis had murdered millions of Jews, Slavs, gypsies, and those who might be mentally retarded. Writes Professor Lipstadt. Have you ever heard any of this before? This is the greatest cover-up imaginable. The greatest cover-up imaginable by the New York Times by the New York Times and while the New York Times was covering this up Arthur Hay Schulzberger the publisher intentionally and repeatedly buried news about the Holocaust deep within his paper or ignored it altogether he's trying to get his family out of Germany he's trying to get his family out of Germany Another professor, Professor Leff, there's three real seminal books on this, and she's written, although the war was the dominant news, need not have been and was not the only front-page news, the New York Times printed between 12 and 15 front-page stories every day. Fewer than half of these typically concern the war. The Times' first story on the Nazi extermination campaign, which described it as the greatest mass slaughter in history, appeared on page five, tacked onto the bottom of a column of stories. Yet the deaths of other civilians, fewer than a hundred, regularly appeared on the front page. Sulzberger's personal philosophical views of Judaism also played a major part in his callous disengagement from the plight of the European Jews. He didn't believe also, ladies and gentlemen, that there should be a Jewish state which would become Israel. He opposed it. And he didn't much like the rabbis who supported it. He didn't much like the Jewish underground groups that would come to him and tell him what was going on in Germany and other parts of Europe. They turned him off. He didn't like it. So I write about this extensively with the help of these scholars. I write about the Ukrainian genocide that took place under Stalin with the help of other scholars. That is research that I do where well, the New York Times relied on a gentleman by the name of Walter Duranty. I touched on this the other day he was their Moscow slash Russia correspondent he was the senior correspondent of correspondence. but he was in the tank for Stalin he was in the tank for Stalin And so he helped cover up, push propaganda about what was taking place in the Ukraine. Where Stalin cut off all transportation, he cut off all food. And he starved those people to death. He starved them to death by the millions and millions. The New York Times barely noticed A few British newspapers noticed, other European newspapers noticed. Their reporters actually went into the Ukraine, saw what was taking place. They saw cannibalism. They saw bodies in the streets, twitching, moving, people starving to death, flies, horror. But somehow the New York Times correspondent, Mr. Durani, didn't see any of it. And one of the young reporters who wrote about it for the Guardian, the Manchester Guardian, who went there, who went to where the action was, so to speak, who couldn't believe his eyes, couldn't believe what he was seeing, he talked to people, couldn't believe what he was hearing, and reported on it. Durante attacked him in the pages of the New York Times, dismissed him, undermined him. And much of the world ignored that young man. And the New York Times executives had to know that Durante was lying to them. But they kept him there. He was there for 12 years. And there's much more that I reveal in my new book, Unfreedom of the Press. This is the great newspaper that leads all newspapers, folks. This is the Grey Lady. This is the paper record. All the news that's fit to print. It's still there on its masthead. Chasing Fox News all over the world. All over the world. Not in the Sudan, where black Muslims are torturing and raping black Christians. Not in the Middle East where so-called Palestinians are committing acts of terrorism against their own people in many instances. No, they're chasing the Fox News channel, you see. Multiple countries and the Murdochs and their hosts. Because how dare Fox exist? How, fair, how dare Fox be different and the Washington Post or the New York Times or CNN or MSNBC, they're all so predictable, aren't they? They're all so boring, which is why they lose ratings, they lose audience, they lose subscribers. They are utterly and completely predictable. And they hate you. They tell you that every day. They hate you. Sulzberger's personal dislike of certain Jewish leaders in opposition to their efforts to establish a Jewish state in the original Jewish homeland further soured him, and hence the Times' coverage of the Holocaust. I write, but do you believe that? Professor Leff wrote that Sulzberger's involvement with the American Jewish community also led him to be less inclined to emphasize the Jews' fate. His antipathy for Jewish leaders in the United States and Palestine tempered somewhat his sympathy for persecuted Jews in Europe. I have a question for all the media out there. I have a question. Was the New York Times the enemy of the people when the people were the Jews being slaughtered by the Third Reich? Was the New York Times the enemy of the people when the Ukrainians were being slaughtered by Stalin and his army? Where they were starving to death by the millions? Of course it was. All those cries of starving people, all those cries of people being pushed into ovens, all those cries of people being gassed to death in what were supposed to be showers, or lined up and executed in mass graves, they were all... Silent. If you read the New York Times, you'd be very unlikely to know about any of it. If you read the Washington Post, you'd be very unlikely to know about any of it. This is really, ladies and gentlemen, s- these are stories that need to be told. It is not surprising then when cold blooded executives at these media corporations conduct themselves as they did in the face of Stalin and Hitler, how they conduct themselves today. These are not objective truth tellers, these are partisans, these are individuals who advance their own petty agendas or worry about their own petty profits. I honestly hope you'll get a copy of my book because I'm going to tell you something. I already told my family, get ready for the worst. Get ready for the worst because you know what the media try to do to people who challenge them. I've done an enormous amount of research. I've plagiarized nothing. Anybody I quote, I put quote marks around. There are over 400 endnotes in this book, and it's only 250 pages or so long. These are only a couple of the stories that I talk about. I hope you'll get a copy. Pre order your copy at Amazon.com, but it comes out on May 21st, and I think it's absolutely imperative. You get a better feeling for what we're dealing with. You wonder why. The sanctimony, the self-righteousness. How they talk about you, how they talk about this president. How they go after Fox News, how they go after talk radio, how they go after Sean Hannity and Tucker Carlson and Laura Ingram? Fox and friends. Like these people are really uh, a threat to the country. How they try to take out Murdoch? Why? Why don't we know as much about the people who run Comcast and own NBC and MSNBC? Why don't we know as much about the people who run AT&T, which owns CNN? Why don't we know more about the Mexican billionaire, who owns almost 20% of the New York Times? Why don't we know more about Jeff Bezos, who owns the Washington Post? Isn't it interesting? Story after story about Fox News, which has really a minuscule audience, not on cable, it's the biggest, but a minuscule audience when you put it in the context of all the rest of the media. All the rest of the newspapers and magazines and, and websites, network TV, satellite TV, minuscule. But they can't tolerate it. Oh, but if we had a Fox News during the Holocaust, I think the American people would have known a lot more. Oh, if we would have had a Fox News when Stalin was wiping out the Ukrainians. Oh, I think we would have known a lot more. Instead, America had to rely on the New York Times. I'll be right back. Mark
1: Lubin.
0: Folks, many of our nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth, recognize what's beautiful, and hold up what is good. But sadly, many have lost their way. Locked in the grip of political correctness, they no longer allow free and open discourse and instead peddle their moral and cultural relativism. Thankfully, there's Hillsdale College. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission, to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. And as Hillsdale enters its 175th year, their goal is simple and yet profound Please visit hillsdale.edu/admissions to plan a visit and learn more. That's hillsdale.edu/admissions. It wasn't that long ago, ladies and gentlemen, when Jim Acosta accosted our president at a presidential press conference. It was filled with Washington reporters, the press room, or the East Room, I guess. The president calls on Jim Acosta. Jim Acosta verbally assaults him. is provocative. He disagrees with the president's use of the word "invasion. He and his comrades, mouthing what the Democrat Party has effectively told them what the mouth. That this is a manufactured crisis. If you heard it once, you heard it a million times. It's a manufactured crisis. Jim Acosta, at the time of that press conference, he hadn't been at the border. He didn't go watch what was taking place. He went later, and he missed everything. The president warned over and over and over again, this is a national security issue. This is a humanitarian crisis. But now we have Jay Johnson, the Secretary of Department of Homeland Security under Obama. He calls it a problem. And now everybody believes it. Well, not everybody. somebodies. But that said, the Commander-in-Chief says it. They blow him off. Even Republicans, blump well, You can't really use the uh, National uh, you know, Emergencies Act in 1970. Separation of power? No, it's not. And no, it wasn't. A separation of powers issue. We have never seen anything like what's going on on the southern border today. The President of the United States tried to stem it before it got this bad. He's been talking about a wall ever since he ran for president of the United States. And the Democrats have blocked him. And the media have blocked him. But Jim Acosta will never be held to account. He'll never be responsible for anything. He's a liar. He's a propagandist. He's a self-promoter. And the media circled the wagons around Jim Acosta, including my buddies at Fox. And now that Fox is under attack by the New York Times, anybody circling wagons around Fox? No. No. New York Times doesn't believe in freedom of the press. Believes in freedom of the progressive press. Of progressive reporters. Of progressive commentators. Of progressive editorial writers. They despise conservative talk radio. They despise Fox. They'd be more than happy if they went out of business. That's why they try to humiliate them and intimidate them and embarrass them. Media Matters is effectively a a research arm of the modern media to go against conservatives or even worse, people who aren't one of them. Where is Jim Acosta today? He's He's writing a book. He's writing a book. He's writing a book. About what? About the media? Yes! About how the Trump administration is threatening the media, is is creating a dangerous situation for the media, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, the perpetrator pretends that he's a victim. I'll be right back. This battle over the border, ladies and gentlemen, is a battle over the future of the country. We've talked about this for a decade and a half. You and I, we've been the tip of the spear here. When we had some of our so-called conservative radio and TV hosts going wobbly after talking to Marco Rubio and others under the Gang of Eight, we said no. Build the damn wall, fencing, do something, secure the border. Those of you who read liberty and tyranny, we had an entire chapter on this I read part of it to you last night we've been promoting national sovereignty for a very very long time here no, not white supremacists legal immigration and everybody in this country isn't white so I'm sick and tired of hearing it but you need to be a citizen regardless of who you are, your background your pigmentation and everything else This is an attack on citizenship. It's an attack on national sovereignty. It's nothing to do with white supremacy, nothing to do with race whatsoever. That's the muck that's in between the ears of the left collectively. That's not our problem. That's their problem. This is nothing more than an effort to destroy the American civil society. You can't account for it any other way. You simply cannot account for it any other way. Now, there are hordes coming into this country, hordes of people. That is a perfectly legitimate word. There are hordes of people coming into this country, invading this country, another perfectly legitimate word. I will not take legitimate words off the table because the left threatens us. They can go to hell. And the left and the Democrats have genuflected on this issue, where they used to support securing the border because they thought it would protect big labor. Now they don't, because big labor wants more and more members as their existing members die off. That's a fact. And they don't care if it hurts their existing membership or not. They're looking 20 years down the road. All of this is to strengthen the Democrat Party. All of this it undermines the nation and it seems to be in many cases whatever undermines the nation strengthens the Democrat Party in so many respects undermining capitalism strengthens central government of the Democrat Party rejecting our immigration laws nullifying them undermines the country strengthens the Democrat Party and down the line private sector health care being nationalized I call it whatever oh, Medicare for all what it is is Venezuela for all. Well what does it do? Undermines the country, strengthens the Democrat Party. There is this, this reverse effect. Enforcing the Constitution is important. Eviscerating the Constitution undermines the country, strengthens the Democrat Party. Packing the Supreme Court by increasing the number of seats, tried before undermines the country, strengthens the Democrat Party. Massive tax increases on wealth and on income undermines the country, strengthens centralized government, hence the Democrat Party. That's the pattern. That's what's taking place. The Democrat Party does not believe that the American culture and the American society is superior to any other When the President of the United States talked about asshole countries, he was right. People are trying to escape these asshole countries, and I can name a hundred of them. Where the people are abused. Where the people are raped, beaten, imprisoned. Where they're starving to death. While the dictators of one ideology or another are getting rich, and their families are getting rich. Of course there are asshole societies out there. They're all over the damn place. Look at the United Nations. And the same people who say, no, there aren't, lie through their teeth, are more than happy to rip our own country, left and right and left and right, every damn day. Systemic racism. I said it before and I'll say it again. There is no systemic racism in this country. There are occasions of racism, no doubt about it. But there is no systemic racism. No country has lost more lives, had more casualties, fought more wars, fought more battles, political battles, passed more laws to prevent systemic racism in this country. No country. And yet, And yet, listen, watch the propaganda in our universities and high schools, the propaganda on the vast majority of cable networks and network platforms and news programs. Listen to the Democrat Party, the Democrat Party, Party of Slavery and Segregation and Jim Crow. The party where many of its members voted against the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the Voting Rights Act of 1965, lecturing the rest of us about systemic racism in this country. Have you looked at the invasion, ladies and gentlemen? Are those, as Bernie Sanders is so fond to say, people from the Scandinavian countries? No. They are, as the left likes to say, people of color trying to escape their asshole countries to come to our systemically racist country apparently so what's going on here I'll tell you exactly what's going on here there is an invasion these are hordes of individuals they're human beings but they are hordes as a group they know what they're doing they've been lawyered they've told what to do they've been told what to say they're coming here by the thousands and thousands By the tens of thousands, by the hundreds of thousands. The vast majority of us don't live on the border. We don't live it every day. But they're coming into the country by the hundreds of thousands. And this year is among the worst ever. And we may well have up to 1.5 to 1.7 million illegal aliens coming into the country this year. The system is overwhelmed, there's no manufactured crisis. The Democrat Party's a manufactured crisis. This is reality. Reality. And we don't need lectures from the Holocaust deniers at the New York Times about what's going on on the southern border. Or fools and self-serving buffoons like Jim Acosta and his ilk. This is an intentional effort by the Democrat Party to use the breaking system within our constitutional system to prevent anything effective from being done to stop 1.5 million illegal aliens coming into our country this year. Now, why would they do that? Because they care for these people? No, they don't care for these people any more than they care for you. They're about power. It's not follow the money. Follow the power. Power. it's about power they'll do anything for power to get it and to keep it and to reign over us it's a nasty thing power our constitution is built to try and control it which is why they hate it Jorge Ramos of Univision a dual citizen of Mexico and the United States means he votes for president in both countries. Imagine that. Ramos, In plain English. Said exactly what's going on. Cut seven, Mr. Producer. He was on CNN. Go.
2: We we have to understand here in the United States that yes, we are getting every single year about a million legal immigrants, but also for the last few decades we've been getting from 300,000 to about a million underwintered immigrants. And um, the U.S. economy has been absorbing them. And it seems that we have to realize that the only way to deal with this is with a, with a legal, in a legal way. In other words, just to, to understand that legally they are going to keep on coming
0: and there's really nothing we can do to stop that. That's it. Nothing we can do to stop it, folks. We used to be able to stop it. Throughout much of our history, certainly modern history, we used to be able to stop it. We used to be able to d- detain people, deport people. But our laws are all screwed up. How did that happen? Started in nineteen sixty five. I told you about the Hart Seller Act. The Democrat Party's been working on this for half a century. For half a century. What the hell is this chain migration? Started in nineteen sixty five. Where did birthright citizenship come from? Nobody knows, but they think it came out of the Social Security Administration that just decided that if somebody's here legally or illegally and they're an immigrant and they have a child here, they got to get a Social Security card through the back door, through the bureaucracy. You even have these fools, these so-called legal analysts who've been wrong for two damn years on everything. None of them got fired, not a single one of them, telling you that the Constitution, the 14th Amendment, was specifically written to allow foreigners to come into the country and declare their own jurisdictional right to citizenship with their children. They can't point to a single syllable or historical fact that supports that position. None! None! Because it's a lie. Because it's a lie. Absolute anarchy on the southern border. Chaos. We are overwhelmed with an invasion of hordes of individuals. And Mr. Ramos says there's nothing we can do about it. And Ms. Pelosi says not one dollar for a wall. Trillions for everything else not one dollar for a wall like a fascist she's elected from San Francisco she wasn't elected in the whole country what happened to one man one vote you know we gotta get rid of the electoral college one man one vote Nancy Pelosi what happened to one man one vote San Francisco controls the whole damn country we don't mean it that way you know we mean it another way nothing we can do about it He's, there is, quote, there's really nothing we can do to stop them unquote. do you realize if Donald Trump wasn't president of the United States today and if Hillary Clinton was there really would be nothing we could do to stop them she'd be inviting them into the country she'd be telling the border patrol and ICE to stand down exactly what the Democrats want They'd be removing walls and fences rather than building them. I want you to think about this. All these clown never Trumpers. We actually have never Trumpers who didn't vote for Trump. Who didn't vote for Trump? We're making a statement. You're making asses out of yourselves. You're the nation an apology. I'll be right back. Mark Lubin. for a record and all the news that's fit to print has missed what's going on on the southern border or have they admit it you think that cybercrime is something that happens to other people now you might think that no one wants your data or that hackers can't grab your passwords or credit card details let me tell you something folks that is a huge mistake stealing data from unsuspecting people or public wi-fi is one of the simplest and cheapest ways for hackers to make money, and they make it off of people like you. When you leave your Internet connection unencrypted, you might as well be writing your passwords and credit card numbers on a huge billboard for the rest of the world to see. Might as well get one of those planes, you know? Skywriting planes? Just put it up there. That's why I decided to take action. To protect myself from cybercriminals, I use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN secures and makes anonymous your internet browsing by encrypting your data and hiding your public IP address. Turning on ExpressVPN protection only takes one click. For less than seven bucks a month, you can get the same ExpressVPN protection that I have. ExpressVPN is rated the number one VPN service by Tech Radar and comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Protect your online activity today. And find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com mark. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com mark for three months free with a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com mark to learn more. To learn a lot more. The border. It's as if we don't have a border. Chris Cuomo went down there. I'm not going to play Chris Cuomo. Chris Cuomo is a force for evil in this country, just like his stupid older brother, Mr. Infanticide. And he admits there is a border crisis, kind of. Kind of. Both sides are playing politics, don't you know? He can't help it. He's a left-wing inbred, a Democrat Party mouthpiece. He can't help it. So why listen to him? But all these months, lo, all these years you've been told since Trump's been president, since he was a candidate, by the Democrat Party, that the border's fine, just fix the ports, that's all, the ports of entry, no problem, ports of entry. Can I ask you a question, folks? If you're trying to get into this country illegal, are you going to go to a port of entry? Mr. Peter, would you go to the port of entry to come into the country? I think I might go around where they're asking for identification, wouldn't you? We're going to beef up the port of entry. Well, I'm all for that. Well, what about the other 2,000 miles? What are you going to do about that? Well, you know, $5 billion, that's a waste of money. They piss away a quarter of a trillion dollars a year. But $5 billion to secure, to begin to secure the southern border is a bridge too far. Wait, it's a wall too far. That they can't do. Why? Because they don't want to do it. The Democrat Party is the party of foreigners. Because that's the new base of the Democrat Party. Let me repeat it because you're going to hear the backbenchers say it. The Democrat Party's base isn't the American citizen. The Democrats' party base is south of the border. It's overseas The Democrat Party relies on the importation of aliens into this country by hook or by crook for its sustenance, its political sustenance, its power. Otherwise, there'd be a hell of a lot more red states now, wouldn't there? So the Democrat Party uses the election process in our country, blue states, blue districts, to get elected, to camouflage their message to their own constituency, For the purpose of representing not American citizens, not America's best interests, but foreign governments, foreign cultures, foreigners. That's their new constituency, ladies and gentlemen. I'll be right back. 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's L E V I N dot com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. Mark Levin tough as hell that's why i like mark levin and i'm not sure a lot of people like him he's tough as hell but i like him i love him call in now (laughs) 877-381-3811 well now all right recent study shows americans are sleeping less than ever even though lack of sleep ruins your performance and impacts your relationships well, I've got some good news for you because how you sleep at night is all the folks over at Bowl and Branch think about. That's right. They want you to get the best night's sleep possible. So they created the softest, most comfortable, 100% pure organic cotton sheets in the world. Hundreds of thousands of Americans sleep better thanks to Bowl and Branch and all their products. From the signature soft sheets to the cozy throw blankets to their plush towels... All are designed with you in mind and made the right way, not the easy way. They don't cut any corners. They want you to love your Bowl and Branch purchase. And by the way, I know you will because we love ours. And they're going to give you a 30 day risk free trial. That's how sure they are you're going to enjoy them. 30 day risk free trial. Bowl and Branch is offering you, my listeners as well, $50 off your first set of sheets plus free shipping. At bowlandbranch.com with promo code MARK. I want you to go to B-O-L-L, bowlandbranch.com, promo code MARK, for $50 off. Bowlandbranch.com, promo code MARK. You'll get the $50 off. You'll get the free shipping. You'll get the 30-day risk-free trial. But more than that, you'll get the best sheets ever made by human beings. And that's a fact. Democrats make official requests to the IRS for President Donald Trump's tax returns. Democrats have officially sent a letter to the IRS demanding President Donald Trump's personal tax returns and the returns for his businesses and his revocable trust, launching what is likely to lead to legal battle between Congress and the executive branch. And the president should fight it every step of the way, all the way to the Supreme Court. These committees, going after his staff, his former staffers, whether in government or the private sector, going after his family, going after him, this is nothing more than than a Soviet-style Star Chamber activity taking place. This is opposition research. This is the Democrat Party using the House of Representatives and your tax dollars, federal employees and staff, to try and defeat the president in 2020 or oust him beforehand. That's what's going on. It's the greatest abuse of power, abuse of American taxpayers in modern American history. House Ways and Means Committee Chairman Richard Neal, who's this uh, clown, sent a letter on Wednesday to IRS Commissioner Charles Reddick demanding copies of Trump's taxes from 2013 through 2018. He gave Reddick until next Wednesday to comply with the request. Not only... Are these requests unconscionable? They give them these short deadlines. The president, though, told reporters he was not inclined to allow Democrats access to his tax returns. We are under audit, despite what people said and working that out. I'm always under audit, it seems, but I've been under audit for many years because the numbers are big. And I guess when you have a name, you're audited. But until such time as I'm not under audit, I would not be inclined to do it, Trump said. After the request, Representative Kevin Brady, Republican, Texas, wrote a letter to Treasury Secretary uh, Stephen Mnuchin, arguing that the request violates the law, and for Mnuchin, who oversees the IRS and the Treasury Department, to deny it. The use of the committee's authority to access and make public the tax returns of a single individual for purely political purposes— would not only set a dangerous precedent, but it also undermines the core intent of the law. This is a point we've made right here. Now, since taking the majority in November, Democrats have moved cautiously on the issue. No, they haven't. Neil, the only member of the House who can, by law, request the president's tax returns, argued in his letter to the IRS that his request stemmed from a policy interest. Well, of course. They've got to dress it up. They have to lie. He said his role in heading the committee comes with a responsibility to ensure the IRS is enforcing the laws in a fair and impartial manner. You believe this crap? Neil argued his request was made to investigate whether the IRS had indeed examined Trump's taxes, which he noted is required under the agency's policy. The practice is IRS policy and not codified in the federal tax laws, he wrote. We have unleashed a tyranny in this country with these totalitarians. That is absolutely incredible. Mr. Producer, see if Mr. Neal will come on the program. Maybe he's unfamiliar with who I am, and maybe we can get him on. That is the chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee. One of these days, I'm going to unleash a Levin surge against one of these chairmen, and we will demand from them what they demand from our president including tax returns. Let me ask you folks a question out there. Do you think the House of Representatives is working on your behalf? Do you think the House of Representatives is in touch with what goes on in your community, in your household, in your neighborhood, in your business, in your union? Do you think these people really have a feel for what's going on with the American people? Aren't they supposed to represent all of you? Aren't they supposed to represent all of you? And exactly how are they representing all of you? By keeping the border open? By going after the President of the United States who you elected? What exactly is the House of Representatives doing, ladies and gentlemen? But they don't represent you. They don't represent anybody but the most extreme parts of their party. It's a very dangerous party. It's always been a very dangerous party, as a matter of fact. Always. You can go way back. All right. Oh, great. My uh, call screen is down, Mr. Producer. Do we have a liberal or a regular American? On the Mark Levin app, Stella in Connecticut, a regular American. How are you?
2: Oh, I'm good. I'm excited to be on the show. My dad's such a big fan, he's a longtime listener. And I'll have to admit... Well, what about you? I, I have to admit, if I'm being honest, that I usually say to him, Dad, can you turn it down? Why is he always yelling? That's
0: because we've got to speak loudly so everyone can hear in your neighborhood.
2: All right, fair enough, fair enough. Yes. But Just in the future,
0: is- in the future, please open your window so everyone can hear. I'm sorry? In the future, open your window. I'm not yelling for the fun of it. I want your neighbors to hear.
2: Let the neighbors hear. All right. Yes, I'll exactly. To, I'll yes. have to turn them on to uh, to Mark Levin.
0: Yeah, or at least open the window. But anyway, go right ahead.
2: Well, I was going to say that um, today I was really glad to hear you talking about that. I don't. It's something I never hear any of the news media talking about, which was the New York Times reporting on the Ukrainian Holodomor in the thirties. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, again, it's. I will say that you know, in the Trump era, some of these newspapers have really gotten sort of high on themselves talking about, oh, you know, the truth, you know, the truth dies in darkness, the truth matters, and they don't really want to deal with...
0: They don't pursue these- the truth. They are social activists. When you read my book, you'll see, I will tell you how they became, why they are, the indoctrination that goes on, whether it's witting or unwitting. These are, these are progressive ideologues, and they are social activists. That's what they are. They are not in pursuit of objective truth. Even the term objective, as you'll see when you read the book, is debated among them as to what objective even means. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, just, you know, I, I think that they seem to think that they have a monopoly on the truth. And like you pointed out, you know, there's lots of examples of places where they have failed. And, you know, at least own up to that. At least talk about that. You know, it took until 1990. Are,
0: are, I, you, are you Ukrainian?
2: They wrote an editorial. Are you,
0: are you I think Ukrainian? Hello?
2: Hello? I am yes I'm sorry I'm of Ukrainian descent my mom's side is Ukrainian Well
0: well as you all well know the New York Times refuses to give its Pulitzer back the Walter Durant he got for his propaganda I mean his outstanding reporting when he came to the Ukraine Are you aware of that
2: I, I am it's something that the Ukrainian community is really aware of and it's something they keep you know, agitating the New York Times about and like I said the best thing that they'll do is you know, write an
0: op-ed or. no you know what the New York Times essential response was to that what we're not in charge of who awards the Pulitzer Prize it wasn't right. given to exactly. us it was given to Durante and that's right. pretty much it they're very yeah. callous thank you for your call I want to talk to her but I can't I can't talk when people keep talking when I'm talking and so forth very nice lady. Don't get me wrong. Lance, Atlantic City, New Jersey. How are you? I'm doing very well, Mr. Levin.
3: It's a pleasure to hear you, and also watch your show on Sunday night. Here's my thing.
0: Have you seen the Atlantic City orca lately?
3: The Atlantic City what?
0: Orca. Chris Christie. Has he been? Uh, has he been uh, on the no, boardwalk no. lately?
3: I haven't seen him in high tide or low tide. No. But we do have the uh, Governor Meshuggah Murphy, who's still in such an uproar, uh, trying to decide whether or not they're going to legalize marijuana, all the while while he's banning smoking in every public area in the state isn't of amaz-
0: Isn't it amazing how these fads catch on now? Everybody needs to be first to legalize marijuana and legalize infanticide. And you look at this stuff say, God, you, you have the strangest priorities.
3: Oh, Mr. Levin... Ever since Tor Kelly and uh, Governor Corzine, the state of New Jersey has been, like, disenfranchised with the people, with our senators. We might get a a smattering of a Republican governor every eight years here and there, but we have never had any Republican senators for, God knows, like 30 years. It's amazing.
2: It
0: it, it is is amazing. I'll tell you something interesting. Years and years ago when I was a little kid and we lived in Pennsylvania— Pennsylvania is still a low tax state. I think the income tax—it's a flat tax of three point oh three percent. And by the way, uh, Washington National fans, this is why you lost your slugger to Philadelphia. It was because of taxes more than anything else, to tell you the truth. That is uh, to Pennsylvania. New Jersey was a low tax state. It had like the lowest sales tax around the in in uh, in the Northeast. It had the lowest property tax. I remember when New Jersey didn't even have an income tax. Now you got the highest taxes. Uh, everything's up, up, up. You're 49th in this and 49th in that. Where where you want to be first? You're first in everything. Where you want to be 49th? It's just unbelievable what they've done to that state.
3: It's they've turned it into the bizarro state or the zoo Jersey state. But I wanted to concur with you in your use of the word hordes. And I bring back if if people would have stopped and read six, six months ago. The, the essay, you know, the tragedy of the commons, what was going on in the border there, bringing more and more people over, overusing the resources, and that's what we're having. There's no ability, we're, we're, we're exhausted on our resources, man, body, food, everything, medicines that they need. Now we need to have all sorts of things and nobody realizes it. And then the way the House of Representatives and the Democrats, they just keep throwing paperwork and paperwork. It's like a diner and, they, and the orders keep coming in. like the poor President Trump. He's like in the weeds at times with all the different little annoyances of paperwork and they want it done now. They want it done now. They're so selfish at times that it makes no
0: sense. They're using they're – using, I want you all to hear me very, very clearly um, through this excellent call, Lance. I want everyone to hear me. They're using the threat of impeachment to blackmail this president. Well, now, what do I mean by that? If they don't turn over X, if they don't turn over Y, if he doesn't do A, if he doesn't do B – They're going to accuse them of obstructing Congress. They're going to accuse them of a cover-up. They're going to accuse them of whatever they can concoct. They are using the impeachment clause in the Constitution to blackmail this president, which is utter tyranny. Utter tyranny. That's what they're doing. You better damn well give us those tax returns. You better damn well give us that Mueller report. I want you to listen to me. That's why they're providing deadlines. That's why they're going to court. That's why they're writing the IRS. They're building their impeachment case. One charge after another. One charge after another. You have an innocent man. You have a man who decided to put his own interests and those money aside to run for president of the United States. I don't have any other politician who's given his salary away. Are there any politicians in Congress giving their salary away? I can't think of one. No. And he's doing his job. And what are they doing? They're trying to set him up, ladies and gentlemen. They're trying to blackmail him. They're trying to build one charge after another. I see it. I smell it. I know it. Now, you can listen to all the backbenchers tomorrow and over the next course of the weeks and months tell you how brilliant they are, and they figured it out. I'm telling you exactly what's taking place right now. That's what the demands for the tax returns are all about. If they get them, great. They'll even go through them and use them. If they don't get them, they win either way. At least in their viewpoint, that's how it works. Lance, you're a great caller. I've got to go. We'll be right back. Much Lubin. Have you ever wished you knew more about how politics and our Constitution work? Can you explain the differences between capitalism and socialism? Wish you knew more about American history? Well, I have good news. It's not too late to learn, you know. I learn every day. And no matter how busy you are or how long it's been since you've been in high school or college, and you can do it for free at Hillsdale College as a service to our country. And Hillsdale has free online courses that provide a taste of the core curriculum that every Hillsdale College student takes, the core that teaches how to think critically and act virtuously, it can help you too. Getting started is really simple. Just sign up for one or more of Hillsdale's most popular online courses for free. You can start learning whenever you like. Visit levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Go there right now, and you'll be on your way to a rich, meaningful education. It's a great site, by the way. If you go on their website, you can learn all about the school and all the things that they offer you for free. And, of course, if you're thinking about your children or grandchildren, any wonderful university they might want to go to, well, that would be Hillsdale, quite frankly. Register today. Register right now for free at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Justin, New Orleans, Louisiana, Sirius Satellite, how are you, sir?
4: Yes, sir, I'm doing good. Go right ahead. Mr. Levin, I'm just so tired of these rhino Republicans and these Republicans who won't fight for our president. We finally have somebody who will help us, and they won't do nothing. Now that this investigation's proven there's no collusion, and they're still not fighting for my president, mm-hmm. I'm a union construction worker, and you know unions, they want to push Democrats. But every member I talk to, we are Republicans. And Mm -hmm. and I have two small kids, two small boys, and I'm just scared for my kids.
0: I don't blame you. I mean, when you consider the last 10 years how this country has transformed so radically, when you consider what the Democrats are running on in their platform, we have to call it what it is. It's an anti-American platform. It's what it is. It's an un-American platform when you're attacking capitalism you're attacking the Constitution. You're just attacking all of our institutions and our customs and our traditions. You know, I agree with you. I would like to know, for instance, where's the Senate Intelligence Committee? Where's this guy, Richard Burr, who ran that committee? It's like in the Witness Protection Program. You never hear from this guy. But you're right. Even when the president was doing the uh, the uh, the National Emergencies Act of 1976, Nobody's a better constitutionalist than I. No brag, just fact. I'm just being honest about it. All these guys with their separation of powers arguments. That's baloney. Yes, well, sir. the Democrats might do it. Well, if the Democrats do it, and they do it in a way that violates the Constitution, then we'll challenge them. Ah.
4: They won't. And illegal immigration has destroyed the construction industry here. I haven't had a raise in eight years because we cannot wow. compete with non-union illegal immigrants that they're hiring them. We cannot compete with them.
0: And they're paying a lot of them under the table, aren't they?
4: Even the unions corrupt. They they tell me, you know, the Democrats are helping us. And I tell them, no, they're not
0: helping us. Justin, Justin, you're a good man. You're a good man, and I hear you. I really do. We'll be right back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com, offer code LEVIN. He's here. He's here. Now
1: broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin.
0: everybody. Mark Levin here. This is a powerful final hour of the evening. Our number 877-381-3811 877-381-3811 Heard a lot about the security clearances, haven't you at the White House? Congress wants to investigate. All these people were denied clearances and then the President overrode them. How could this happen? And that's it. And then they push forward this whistleblower, the Washington Compost does. And there's an excellent piece in The Federalist, and that's an excellent website by Adam Mill. Earlier this week, the Washington Post found the nerve to breathlessly lionize Trisha Newbold. Who's Trisha Newbold? An unelected bureaucrat bent on blocking the president's access to trusted advisors. The Post announced that the whistleblower told lawmakers, this is a quote, that more than two dozen denials for security clearance have been overturned during the Trump administration, unquote. The reversals include the president's daughter, her husband, and national security advisor, John Bolton. See, Ms. Newbold was out to cripple the president. The story, like so many others, was dripping with innuendo against the president's advisors, but short on any actual misconduct that would justify denying security clearances. This administration, unlike past administrations, folks, has had tremendous difficulty getting security clearances, not because the president is hiring a bunch of reprobates, but because reprobates are stopping the president from doing his hiring. Who decides what's in the national security interests of the United States? Is it former CIA Director John Brennan who actively promoted the hoax that the elected president is a Russian agent? President Trump revoked Brennan's security clearance on August 15, 2018. But Brennan still held a clearance while MSNBC paid him. Until August 2018, Hillary Clinton maintained a security clearance. Under that clearance... She maintained a small stable of researchers who included Cheryl Mills, her former chief of staff, and four unnamed others. The Department of Justice gave Mills an immunity agreement during its investigation of Clinton's mishandling of classified information. U.S. District Judge Royce Lambert said of this agreement, and boy, is he a great judge. I had myself found that Cheryl Mills had committed perjury and lied under oath in a published opinion I had issued in a judicial watch case, where I found her unworthy of belief, and I was quite shocked to find out she had been given immunity by the Justice Department in the Hillary Clinton email case. And Lambeth added, so I did not know that until I read the IG report and learned that, that she had accompanied the secretary to her interview. Andrew McCabe had security clearance. The whole list of reprobates, miscreants, and malcontents had security clearances. The purpose of maintaining a security clearance is to provide access to classified material by an employee or former employee who requires access to a particular level of classified information in order to perform or assist in a lawful and authorized governmental function. There's a long list of extremely questionable security clearances being maintained long after the Trump opponents holding them stop pretending to serve the current administration in any constructive way. So-called whistleblower Newbold's whistle remain conspicuously unblown when, for example, it came to light that Bruce Orr's wife took money from a Clinton subcontractor while Orr abused his authority and prominence to promote his wife's research to spur a bogus criminal investigation of a political candidate. Do you notice the pattern? The security Clinton's, uh, clearances only jeopardize national security when a Trump advisor has some cooked up blemish in his or her record. But let the sirens scream impotently if the security clearance is maintained by a Trump hater. The Washington Compost went on to report, quote, multiple newspapers, including the Washington Post, reported that Trump early last year directed his then-chief of staff, John Kelly, to give Kushner a top-secret security clearance, a move that made Kelly so uncomfortable. He documented the request in writing, according to current and former administration officials. Unquote. In theory, The security clearance process should be a confidential one in which the elected head of the executive branch, we call him the president, has the right to overrule the politically based objections of career bureaucrats still chafing from the 2016 election results. President Trump is accountable to the voters and they will have the opportunity to grade his decisions regarding national security. Newbold, the so-called whistleblower, is an unelected bureaucrat who's attempting to interfere with the president's ability to access trusted advisors. She's free to pass on her concerns and objections to the president, but she's not free to overrule him. What is the supposed basis of Newbold's security concerns? That part she kept secret, but nevertheless dropped some vague innuendo, telling us that she is, quote, keeping a list of employees whose applications were declined, but were later given clearances Despite concerns about their ties to foreign influence, conflicts of interest, questionable or criminal conduct, financial problems, or drug abuse. Wow, ties to foreign influence, questionable criminal conduct. Here we go again, more if true, innuendo by the Deep State Smear Patrol. If Newbold has actual evidence of misconduct by these advisors, she can blow the whistle on that. Otherwise, she's not a whistleblower. She's an insubordinate to the American people she's supposed to serve. Amen to that. Ooh, look at this. They give her the title whistleblower. They give her the title whistleblower, so all of a sudden she's noble, she's conscientious, she's independent, non political. John Bolton didn't get a security clearance. John Bolton got multiple security clearances when he worked in the Reagan administration and the Bush administration. Ivanka Trump, Gerald Kushner. It's incredible. How the hell did John Brennan get a security clearance when he voted for a communist when he was in college? How the hell did he get a security clearance? I'm serious about this. Or most of the knuckleheads that the left wing brings in with all their drug issues and, uh, oh, we got to because we're protesting. Wouldn't you think that most of the people who were denied security clearances would have worked for an administration like Obama's? I would have. But no. It's Trump. They've had a hell of a tough time staffing the National Security Council. They've had a hell of a tough time staffing... The White House, because of Newbold and her ilk, will block these people from serving the President of the United States. You know, when you get a request from the President, he wants his son-in-law and his daughter to work for him, how hard is it to give them a security clearance? Or John Bolton, who's had a, probably had 20 security clearances, how hard is that? They not only sat on these security clearances, Newbold and company, but they denied them. And she kept a list because she knew at some point her conduct would catch up with her. And the president and his subordinates and the Oval Office would finally say, what the hell is going on here? I can't get my job done. It's interesting, the media. On the one hand, they say he doesn't listen to people. He doesn't listen to experts. He doesn't do it. On the other hand, you got a security person, among others, who's blocking his ability to have close advisors around him. Well, he doesn't have advisors. You know, they, they may have done this. They may have done that. And she keeps a list. Because she's a pretend whistleblower. She's a pretend whistleblower. She kept the list because she was being overruled. And she didn't think she should be overruled. And who is she? She's a nobody. But the Washington Post loves her. The Washington Post promotes her. She's a whistleblower. Not an obstructor. A whistleblower. Because the president was doing things he shouldn't do, don't you know? Like trying to bring in people who who he trusts to advise him to help deal with the everyday job of being president. He can't do that. Ms. Newbold gets to decide who serves him. Congress gets to decide who serves him. Have you ever seen so many disparate efforts, big and small, to derail a president? Have you ever seen anything like this? I have not. I'll be right back. Mud Lovin. Let's look at what's going on in our universities. What do you say? There's a professor, Michael Eric Dyson. He's a loathsome individual, in my view. And no, Mr. Dyson, not because you're African-American. Because you are just a loathsome person. Your race-baiting is disgusting. It's unconscionable. That's just my opinion. And so he was at some forum. And here is what he says today. Cut nine, go.
4: (laughs) 50 years. But white folk didn't get it. Now they do. Oh my God, now we see. Because once white supremacy, it is narcissistic, it is self-important, dumb as hell, incapable of negotiating with others, and will cut off his nose to spite its face. This is what white supremacy does. Donald Trump is the monstrosity that yeah. Frankenstein is the name of the doctor not all right,
0: all right. Let, let, let me ask you a question what has this man done for the African American community in any effective, substantive way what has this clown done for the African American community he's a demagogue of the highest order I can tell you what Donald Trump has attempted to do for all communities in this country and including especially the African American community This man has done nothing. He's a race hustler in my opinion. He's a tenured professor. And listen to the way he talks. Listen to how he calls people names. And this kind of crap goes on in colleges and universities all over this country. All over this country. And people are fearful of standing up to fools like this and he is a class A fool. White supremacist. What a jackass. What else is going on on our college campuses today? Well, we can't get to all of it. list is too long, but how about this one? Brett Kavanaugh hired his professor at Antonin Scalia Law School. This This is from GMU Fourth Estate, their college newspaper. According to an anonymous source with Mason's Office of the Provost, Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh is coming to the Antonin Scalia Law School as a distinguished visiting professor. The document given to the Fourth Estate and dated January 2019 states he is effective higher date of June, that doesn't matter. Mason's Director of Strategic Communications, Mike Sta- Sandler, provided Fourth Estate with information on a study abroad class outside of London in Runnymede, England, through the law school. The class is titled Creation of the Constitution. Be taught by Kavanaugh and law professor Jennifer Mascot, former Kavanaugh clerk. Let's see. News of Kavanaugh's hire comes in the wake of student outcry for improvements within the university's Title IX office and police department regarding increasing sexual assault and harassment on campus. I'm surprised that Mesa would be willing to take this risk, said the source. I'm not anticipating a good reaction among the student body. Now, these are student newspaper writers, and they've gotten into the system pretty quickly, into the mindset of the left and this so-called profession. In one paragraph, they talk about sexual assault and harassment on campus and then add Kavanaugh's name. Last fall, they write, Kavanaugh gained national media attention after he was nominated by Trump to the Supreme Court. During his hearing, multiple women came forward alleging that Kavanaugh had sexually assaulted them. The most notable accusation... You see that? Very few women came forward on the record and testified, and not a damn one of them was telling the truth. That's right, I said it! Not a damn one of them! The most notable accusation coming from Dr. Christine Blasey Ford, resulted in testimony from both Ford and Kavanaugh before the Senate Judiciary Committee. Fourth estate reached out to multiple representatives within the office of the provost, who stated that human resources would be the best... And on and on they go. They don't want Kavanaugh there. Now, Ruth Bader Ginsburg gets a movie. That Kavanaugh... Can't even be an adjunct professor for one course. But that's par for the course. Listen to this one, mediaite. Listen to this one, Media Matters. I'm sure you'll be all over it. Harvard Undergraduate Council votes to fund Israeli Apartheid Week. This is in The Crimson, another college newspaper. PSC supporters said Harvard Hillel has also brought speakers to the campus who contributed to military operations. Against civilians, I must have this out of order. Let me see here. Yes, I do. The Undergraduate Council voted to allocate the Palestine Solidarity Committee $2,050 to host Israeli Apartheid Week at Sunday's general meeting. IAW is an international movement across college campuses to raise awareness of Israel's treatment of Palestinians. And who's... Raising awareness about Palestinian treatment of Israelis. The PSC planned much of the programming of Harvard's event, which began on March 30 and runs until April 4. The week includes Palestinian speakers, a student panel, an unveiling of a physical wall of resistance and a movie screening. Raising a whole bunch of anti-Semites. The bill to fund IAW passed twenty one thirteen four and drew money from the UC's grant for an open Harvard college, which subsidizes student initiatives that address one of the UC's indicated compelling interests. The interests for the 2018-19 academic year are mental health, race, culture, faith relations, sexual assault and harassment, social spaces and financial accessibility. I see nothing here about liberty, private property, the Constitution, the Declaration, none of it. Imagine that. The council financed the event with a special grant because it does not typically give funds of more than $2,000 through its normal grant process. PSC treasurer Katie whatever said the organization needed the UC to help finance the event because it lacks sufficient funds on its own. Dozens of students who supported and opposed the council's funding of the event attended Sunday's meeting. Students disagreed as to whether the event allowed for open dialogue among students with opposing views on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. One of the main focuses of Israeli Apartheid Week featured both on their wall and with their speakers, including the founder of the movement is the BDS Boycott Divest Sanction Movement. Multiple Jewish students said the event makes them feel uncomfortable. Well, don't worry, you don't count those days are over through multiple things tenured left wing uh, uh, Marxist professors, immigration so forth and so on colleges have changed classrooms have changed so now we have Israel Apartheid Week at Harvard College Harvard University think about that I'll be right back
1: This is the show the New York Times is afraid of. Mark Levin. Call him now at 877
0: Do you wish that double chin would just disappear? Are those bags and puffiness getting a little worse every day? Here's Robin S. from Lubbock, Texas. I put that jawline cream on my neck like two or three days ago. That is the best my neck has looked in over 20 years. Several people told me my face looks young and I am blown away. Well, that's because with Genesel's natural actives and pure antioxidant base with no parabens, no chemical scents, no pharmaceutical preservatives, it's the clean luxury your skin deserves every day. Click or call right now and Genesel jawline treatment is yours absolutely free just for ordering the classic Genesel plant stem cell therapy for bags and puffiness. Call 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604. Or go to Genesel.com, that's Genesel.com. Genesel works for men and women, and for results in 12 hours or less, the Genocidal immediate effects is also included free. Call now and get free three-day shipping. Call 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604, or go to Genesel.com, that's Genesel.com. Back to the New York Times, I circle back. Remember the first hour of the program? It never ends over there at the New York Times. I will be the first to say it, and I'm going to say it, whether they like it or not. The New York Times is in many ways an anti-Israel and anti-Semitic newspaper. That's correct. That includes the Holocaust. Holocaust. But it includes their coverage of Hamas and Hezbollah vis-a-vis Israel. It includes their coverage of Netanyahu. It is consistent. And our friend Adam Credo, over there at the uh, Washington Free Beacon, another wonderful site, he points out that the offer of this Sunday's New York Times Magazine cover story about the campaign to boycott, divest, and sanction the state of Israel's works For an organization whose major donor, Qatar, is also the largest state funder of the terrorist group Hamas. And they didn't mention that on the New York Times page. They're too busy going after Hannity. Other significant donors to the author's organization, the International Crisis Group, are leading supporters of the anti-Semitic boycott movement the author describes in his piece. They didn't mention this at Mediaite. Too busy going after Carlson. The publication of the article "How the Battle Over Israel and Anti-Semitism Is Fracturing American Politics" represents yet another salvo in the New York Times's continuing promotion of anti-Israel writers and views. It's been going on a long time. The author Nathan Thraw, Nathan Thraw, is tied to a large network of BDS supporters that are funded into the millions by the Qatari government, which has a long has long been engaged in efforts to spy on the American Jewish community and pro-Israel officials. Qatar's foreign influence operations in Washington, D.C. have flown mostly under the radar, but are part of a larger proxy battle being waged by wealthy Middle Eastern governments eager to peddle influence in powerful Washington circles. Now, this guy Thrall, who the Times presents as a disinterested expert, serves as director of the Arab-Israeli Project, At the International Crisis Group, or ICG, a left-leaning advocacy group that has received about $4 million from the Qatari government in just the last year. So we have collusion, ladies and gentlemen, on the pages of the New York Slimes. Qatar is not mentioned in Thrall's 11,500-word piece. ICG also received $1 million in the past several years from the Rockefeller Brothers Foundation, a prolific open funder of the BDS movement in the United States. Another significant portion of ICG's funding, more than $5 million in the last three years, comes from the Open Society Foundations, run by liberal billionaire George Soros. And Open Society funds dozens of Palestinian organizations that are prominent members of the BDS movement, and it goes on and on and on. Still, the New York Times pushes the anti-Jew, anti-Israel agenda, funded by the left, and at no point in this massive article, the cover story, did the New York Times reveal Mr. Thrall's ties? At no point at all. Well, ladies and gentlemen, let me depart from the left, as I like to do, and let me do something that I want to do. We had Barack Obama use the State Department and American tax dollars to try and defeat Benjamin Netanyahu last time around. We have the New York Times that has a daily drumbeat of anti-Israel, anti-Netanyahu stories, by cretins, malcontents, miscreants, and, uh, and that sort of crowd. Well, let me use my microphone to do the following. I don't know the extent of this program reaches into the state of Israel, but we are heard on podcasts throughout the world and including in Israel. And I just want to encourage the Israelis as strongly as I know how to vote for Benjamin Netanyahu and his Likud party Benjamin Netanyahu has not only been a great leader for Israel but during the time when Obama was president he was the most important leader of the free world is a tremendous ally of this country and he's hated by the left because he's a strong leader He's hated by the left because he's made Israel a strong economic country. He's moved it towards the free market and away from socialism. He's hated by the left because the Israelis know how to defend themselves and they've built up a military second to none in the Middle East. It was all fine when Israel was a victim country. It was all fine when the Arab states and the Muslim countries thought they could defeat Israel. But now that Israel has built itself into a mighty power in the Middle East, now they treat it as some kind of an imperialist state. It's nothing of the sort. And your Prime Minister in Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, has worked very closely with President Trump. And as a result of that, Jerusalem is recognized as the capital of Israel, as it is and always should be. The United States Embassy was moved from Tel Aviv to Israel. The Iran deal, thank goodness for the United States and Israel and the Arab states that are not radicalized, few and far between, the United States left the Obama nuclear Iran deal. I cannot believe that the people of Israel, having witnessed these incredibly historic events, having benefited from the rational free market policies of their Prime Minister and his government, having benefited from the security decisions of their Prime Minister and his government, that they would dislodge him from office. It would be like the British after World War Two, voting out Winston Churchill. Benjamin Netanyahu is, for lack of a better parallel, Israel's Winston Churchill, Israel's Ronald Reagan, Israel's Margaret Thatcher, if you get my drift, in terms of policies. He is a strong statesman surrounded by little political munchkins. I feel the same way about President Trump. My admiration for Trump has been growing and growing over time, as you know. I am extremely impressed with him. There are people who come on TV and radio who want to play games. They want you to think they're taking sides, but not really taking sides. They want you to think they're for Trump, but not really for Trump. And then they pass this off as being thoughtful and objective, conscientious in terms of their their viewpoints. They're not. They're positioning themselves. We're in the middle of a political civil war. Like we've never seen in modern times. Between capitalism and socialism between securing a border and having no border, between building up our military and eviscerating our military, between strengthening the rule of law and rejecting the rule of law, embracing the Constitution and undermining the Constitution. There's a lot of good versus evil going on right now, and a lot of it is uh, uh, in in, uh, black and white. And I don't mean race-wise. I mean like ink, black and white as Reagan would say, no pastel colors. And to be sitting on the sidelines or playing games in order to promote your careers or promote your ego, you know, I like them. No, now's not the time for that. And I say the same to the Israelis. You would be making a disastrous decision if you fell for one of these other candidates and their propaganda. You have a historic figure serving as your prime minister. Just like our president. They're trying to take him out. They brought these phony indictments. They were timed to affect the election. Who brings indictments five weeks before an election unless they're trying to affect the outcome? Isn't that quite obvious? Or says they're going to bring them? Over cigars and champagne, for God's sakes. And over free speech and the media, for God's sakes. What a bunch of crap. But you and Israel, you're going to decide your own fate. Whether you have a strong leader or a nebish. may I say, with all due respect. I don't vote in Israel. I'm not a dual citizen. I'm an American citizen. I vote right here. But if I did vote in Israel, I'd be voting for Netanyahu and the Likud party. There's no question about it. Wouldn't you, ladies and gentlemen? Wouldn't you, you Levinites? I know you would. I'll be right back. Much love Man, we hammered away today, didn't we? I want to thank you all for being here and listening to the program. It's my honor, I'm deeply blessed, I know that. More than half of Americans are having a hard time affording their prescription drugs. We've been talking about the role of pharmacy benefit managers, what role they play in keeping prescription drugs high, the cost that is. Now it looks like Congress is finally paying attention to pharmacy benefit managers, PBMs we call them in the business. Chuck Grassley is the chairman of the Senate Finance Committee. He says patients and taxpayers are owed an explanation about what PBM middlemen do. Now, he called five major PBMs to come to Capitol Hill this week to explain their role to his committee. I'm glad he asked because I don't know what the hell they do either. I have no idea. Except they're able to skim the money from uh, Medicare recipients, which is really not capitalism. It's unacceptable. President Trump wants to stop PBMs from keeping hidden drug rebates and discounts intended for seniors and the disabled for themselves. I couldn't agree more. That's why I've been speaking out on this. The president's program would help lower drug prices at the pharmacy counter by passing all drug discounts and rebates to seniors, saving them billions of dollars. That's good news, but we're not going to stop talking about it until we get some real action. Get the facts. Go to truehealthcarefacts.com. Truehealthcarefacts.com. That's truehealthcarefacts.com. Let us go to Steve, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Mark Levin App. Go. Hey, Mr. Levin. Uh, how you doing?
3: All I'm right. Kind of a, I'm kind of a green uh, listener. I just started yes. listening to you about two weeks ago. Wait a
0: minute. You're a green listener. Are you part of the Green New Deal? No, absolutely oh. not, sir. All right. Very good.
3: But uh, I, I just wanted to call in tonight and just talk to you. I, I think with everything with, with uh, the president's tax returns and then the Mueller report i mean there are things in this world that the left just doesn't understand are nobody's business Mm -hmm. period it's not your business at all and as an air force veteran i mean i went through this all the time there are certain things that you don't talk about not even with your wife and they just can't seem to get it because it's all about serving a political end with them
0: well thank thank you for your service and you're exactly right these aren't studious people on an earnest mission. These are hit men and women who are out there to seek and destroy. They're using our tax dollars. They're abusing their offices. They're abusing the Capitol building and the House of Representatives. This is opposition research. This is all, all a disgrace. It really is. This president hasn't done a thing to deserve this kind of treatment. Not a thing. Steve, thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. Let's continue, Bob. Ocala, Wisconsin, the great WATQ. Go. Oh,
4: thank, thank you, Mark. Very thank you very much. Alrighty, Miss, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I take that back.
0: Thank you uh, for your call. I have no idea what's going on there. Maybe happy hour. I don't know. Did I miss something there, Mr. Uh, call Screen? I don't think so. Roger. Omaha, Nebraska, on the Mark Levin app. Go.
3: Truck, uh, this is Truck Driver Roger, Mark.
0: How and, are you, my uh, friend?
3: I'm, a, I'm good. I'm a, I'm a proud Levinite. Thank I, I you. I can't even put into words how much I thank you for what you do and uh, till death do us part.
0: Thank uh, you, sir.
3: You bet. Now, what's the difference when Eric Holder uh, was attorney general... And he was refusing subpoenas. He wouldn't produce documents uh, through that uh, fast and furious thing that he had. Now, what's the difference between him refusing the subpoenas and, uh, and Attorney General Barr uh, refusing? Uh, well, he hasn't done nothing yet. Well, you, you,
0: you have raised an excellent point. Barr's not required under the regulation to give anything to Congress, let alone the public. But he testified in order to get confirmed that he would give as much as he could to Congress. But it's important what you're saying, because the baseline argument here is Congress doesn't have an, a, a right to anything. This was a criminal investigation. Congress doesn't have the right to start subpoenaing records in criminal investigations. Uh, it, prosecutors don't normally provide reports to anybody. They do all their talking in the courtroom. Now you're hearing news, uh, Roger, come out say, Well, all the people who worked in Mueller's office don't necessarily think—they're getting leaks—don't necessarily think that Barr's summary was accurate. Well, it wasn't a summary. It was a letter in which he already said, I would give you as much as I can. He made some conclusions uh, based on the uh, the reports, but he always knew in his mind he was going to turn over significant portions of it. But this is what happens. You are their probable cause to bring a charge, or you don't. You you either think you have a reasonable doubt standard, beyond a reasonable doubt standard, to get a conviction, or you don't. You don't get to play games with this stuff. You don't get to write reports with this stuff, but that's what the Democrats want. They are lawless, absolutely lawless. I think they're going to pay a price for this. If they don't pay a price for it, you and I will, Roger, and the rest of the country— I think they're going to pay a price for it I think these phony moderate Democrats Who took out these Republicans in 30 or 40 seats They're going to pay a price for it And I don't think Schumer's going to be Majority leader for a very very long time Roger, Trucker Roger Right? Thank you for your call my friend We much appreciate it Omaha, Nebraska We salute our armed forces Police officers, firefighters and emergency personnel We salute all federal, state And local law enforcement Thank you Check out our Levin TV tonight, please. And I'll be right here tomorrow. I want to thank you. Go to Amazon.com, get your pre order on Freedom of Speech, and God bless you.